0: Yeah, I listened to Chelsea's today, mm. just to just just to make it easier. It's hard. She always tells me like no, and you know she's like you oh, know of course like don't listen to my interview kind of thing. Naturally, i have been the same thing, and be, and we're like next to each other half the time, so I don't really have any. Anyway, so she left for a little bit, and I was like, so I got a little bit. Yeah, I'm good. Nice.
1: <laughs> did you? How do you think she did? Ah oh, man, C plus. Yeah, she really <laughs> fucked it up. <laughs> 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 this is the start of the podcast, we're going to leave that in just so Chelsea can hear that um, Hi Chelsea, <laughs> um, welcome to another Harco Meets Humans I'm here with um, George Hello, hello From uh, a little band called Deaf Heaven It's lovely to have you here It's good to be here um, For bit of context, uh, George has been coming into my cafe crump Yes And uh, having our coffee
0: Yes Most days It's been, it's been an almost daily experience now
1: Yes, it's great. We, we
0: haven't ruined it enough that you're like,
1: let's find another cafe. I'm actually,
0: I'm getting deeper into it. The more I, the more I go, I'm becoming more part of the community. I looked at a customer today and gave him a smile. I never do that.
1: So you're, there is actually like a little crew. There is no, Crumb. yeah, there actually is. Yeah. People come at their like little times. I, I like it. I it, it I
0: was I was telling Chelsea. Um, it reminds me. It, it it's interesting to have this little um, kind of like artist meetup thing where every time I go in, there's like someone music adjacent or someone is having. Oftentimes she'll go a little bit before me, and and I always walk into a conversation with someone who is like in fashion or someone who is a producer or a writer, and they and of course she knows like half this town. But it's, it um, it's cool, so I'm always kind of like pleasantly surprised, um, and uh, I like that this city seemingly is of the size, and the community is of the size to where like people really do naturally engage with one another.
1: Especially with Chelsea, I've noticed that like she very there, there's something must be something like quite approachable or maybe like. I don't know because I, I, I actually saw that today uh, when you were both sitting down it's like oh, every time he comes in someone's talking to you guys yeah, which is which is really nice I don't mean that in a bad I way love you know?
0: Yeah. I love it yeah I you know it's a chance to just see what's going on and
1: it doesn't happen that's not a really uh it doesn't happen everywhere in New Zealand I would say that's why I like little crumb cafe
0: great great yeah, yeah. shouts out crumb yeah yeah, yeah um the, and I, th- I think that's interesting to your point when I first met Chelsea uh I did not feel that way. I th- I was like, I, I felt like I kind of had to be like on like, I had to be like pretty sharp, I guess. Um, uh, we were both invited. We had a mutual friend that had like a, who was visiting LA uh, from Berlin and now lives in LA, but at the time was just visiting uh, for work and was having like a little going away party. And so invited like, his group of friends from all these different little areas uh one of which was her um and and me we're both in music but on totally opposite ends of the spectrum uh and she had this sort of like very strict look about her and i was like oh this is like a like a, a bossy sort of like no nonsense type of person and i think i had to I had to contend with that so it's it's fun to hear about her being approachable um because now i i do think about her much like that like she's very you know obviously kind mm. and uh and easy and easy to talk to but yeah no yeah i was like okay All right, who who is this
1: what's and going on here before you um met her had you been to New Zealand? Like, did you had any interaction with New Zealand or, or been here with the band or anything? No, no, not at all. Um, in fact, after meeting her
0: um, and, and hanging out with her and, and her friends, I was like, oh my God, there's a, there's a huge New Zealand community in L.A., Uh, and I had never known any of them. And now all of a sudden there's like 20 of them in my life. Uh, it's great. Once you meet
1: one, you meet them all kind of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She had a really big trench coat and she, she pulled it (laughs) out and I realized that she had been sitting on the shoulders of like three different people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's quite a, that's quite a vision. Yeah. they
0: They all came falling out. Uh, no, and then and then I think it was a year later we did tour here, and she was and she was she was here at the time.
1: Yeah, nice. That was cool. Yeah, um, I must admit, like I had heard of Deaf Heaven, mm-hmm. um, and I think as most people would be, I was probably I'd heard of it and been introduced through the Sunbury the record, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, and is it because I, I think I've. I did like a, I never really do research. Sorry, guys who listen to this podcast. <laughs> Obviously, but um, I was having a little read about kind of like your journey with the band, stuff like that, and, and you and Carrie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, the a good place to start, I think, is that you, there was like this line somewhere that you guys started. You did that demo at mm-hmm. the start, and there was some kind of like a, 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 like acknowledgement that you didn't have enough money to like. Do it or make it. Didn't have any gear or anything like that. Oh yeah, but, yeah. So and I just kind of wanted to like start there because that seems like quite a like you must have had some kind of like ambition or some kind of like real drive to be like we don't even have the things that we need but we're we're gonna be this thing. Yes, uh, I guess I guess
0: yeah, we did have a bit of a drive. The funny thing is, is our drive was to just to play a local show, right? Um, and and so we grew up in a a uh, smaller town in the Central Valley of California called Modesto, which essentially serves as like a bedroom community for the Bay Area. Um, lots of people commute, but also um, it's a large ag community. It's, um, and it's a, it's a conservative community. It's, it's, it's you know, I guess you could call it like part of like the red part of California, mm. um, which like the entire middle is, which I, I don't think a lot of people really grasp actually how largely conservative the state is. Um, given that Los Angeles and San Francisco are typically these like liberal beacons. Um, but anyway, we, so we got to the city, you know, and we were like, we want to be part of like this scene. Uh, but we hadn't, we had nothing. Uh, we had nothing but like, you know, some taste and music that we liked. And, and Carrie, uh, we, we had played in bands before. Uh, Carrie is a accomplished guitar player uh, and was at the time Um, we were just dirt poor yeah and he had an acoustic guitar and um, we we basically wrote these riffs with me I don't think the microphone will pick it up but like patting on my thigh as like drums and we would sit in our we shared a bedroom um, in in the hate district we lived with 14 other people Um, in a 12-bedroom flat that used to be a nunnery and that was uh, next door to Amoeba Records Um, that still exists with who knows who. It's kind of like a revolving door of characters, but it was called The Hate House and we helped start it with these people we had met off Craigslist, which is like a... You have a version of it down here. Um, Yeah.
1: Uh, It's kind of like a trade me, but for people and and odd jobs and stuff like that. Yes, exactly,
0: exactly and um and so we shared this room and yeah we just we we did everything on this acoustic we had a uh, one of our roommates one of our flatmates, mates had a laptop that had garage band on it that he would let us borrow like at nighttime. um so the old so that the the first demos are just this strumming acoustic guitar with like a pitter patter of of quote drum beats on on my leg And the guy that did our record, that's done all of our records, Jack Shirley, uh, we had worked with him before, and um, we were like, you know, we want to do this, and he's like extremely cool, uh, money comes last kind of thing. That's not his concern. Um, We had a friend that played drums who was like, I don't want to do this with you, but I'll do this demo. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and so he played drums on it, and we borrowed all of Jack's stuff, and, and we did this demo, and it cost, I think it was five hundred dollars. Um, that he offered, he was like, he was like, pay this in installments, right? Right, like a hundred bucks every couple months. Like, it, like we had, I mean, I, 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 can't stress like we had really no money, and, um, and we were like, okay, yeah, cool, cool. But we were so eager, and, uh, and shouts out to Jack. I, I tell this story all the time, um, but. Bandcamp had just become like a thing. Mm. And we were like, we could put like it was unmastered. That was the deal. Is that he wouldn't master it until we paid <laughs> right. <get> the money. <laughs> it was like that was like the compromise. Or at least like half of it. Cause at this point we'd paid like none. <laughs> and we are like, it sounds pretty sick unmastered. So we put it up. Yeah. And uh and it got traction um through like the blogging community and stuff. And uh and the rest is history. And, and we eventually, of course, paid. And, and he worked on and has worked on every single one of our albums. Um, And it's been it's been really, really cool. But yeah, that's, it was very humble beginnings. Yeah.
1: And like it kind of, it's what it seemed like. And then uh, as we've been like talking, getting to know each other, and you kind of mentioned like, you know, Death Heaven's a big band now in a sense. Like you guys are, it, it, you, that's the job. Like you don't do uh, other work other than Death Heaven. Yeah, yeah. And so like, where, for you, what was your journey in like learning how to kind of become a business or like learn the music business? Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a long one
0: um, with lots of missteps. I mean, we've done everything wrong. Um, we've also, we have, you know, uh, for better or worse, we really don't care about money. It it sounds funny to say, um, and I and I say this purely to our detriment because it's, that type of thinking has never really served us um, in a in in a typically what you'd call like a good way. Right. Uh, because even because the thing is because it goes both ways is that you know up until you know like like in, like Sunbather for example when we did that album we 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 were t- we had toured a ton. In fact, by that point we had played like. 30 countries or something and we you know our feet were wet um but we you know we were making a very micro genre type of music it was very niche and not a lot of money in it and we were living in a very expensive city and so the whole thing so so like even like during sunbather which yes is like our breakthrough record we were sharing a living room i slept on the floor uh, with a sleeping bag and then he we tented up a sheet with like tacks so that he could have his own room which was really like a corner uh, and, I mean a living room being even like that being a generous term and uh, and with a bunch of like like awesome guys and and we did, we wrote that whole record with a loop pedal and a, like a 20 watt practice amp and just sat in the living room, same thing, uh, kind of like pitter patter on my legs uh, to carry's riffs. And, and at this point we had, we had lost a drummer and we'd gone through several lineup changes because we hadn't made no money and it was difficult to keep going. And then, um, thankfully, halfway through the process, we met Dan Tracy, who's still our drummer, and uh, and and who who got what we were doing, and lived just like we did. So 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 we were just yeah we were like desperately poor. And then when we got money, because we had loved living the way that we did and didn't really see a need to live any differently, blew so much of it, you know, <laughs> yeah. on like. I like like it was like like all we, it went from like all we can afford is beers to like now we can get more beers you know there was never a bigger picture and I would say that the like the really hard music business aspect came along for our third album New Bermuda where we started to sort of pay the price for like now what had been five years of bad decision making and we're like okay we need to like. Structure this in like a, a smart way, and and at this point we had gotten management who was helping us a lot, and um, and and it's still kind of this evolving thing where mm. where we want to be business conscious, but not, but still kind of be who we always have been, which is like it's not the priority. It's it was never the priority. The priority was the good time. Um, it was it's it was and still is about making tunes with with your friends because the 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 road to money involved all the things that we always rejected, all the things that we didn't like about people, you know, what we would call like norms or whatever. Like, Normies. like yeah, we didn't want to live this life. You know, I didn't want to work these jobs and 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 these people didn't care about what I cared about. At least that's how I felt. And so, you know, a large part of going into music to begin with was rejecting this idea. And uh and while we are vastly more responsible these days, I think we still hold on to that, that kind of like we never expected this to be anything. Uh, what we have uh, is by some miracle, you know, and, uh, and, and hard work and, uh, and we're, just, we're just doing us. But it's, I, like, I like knowing about it. I like having a grasp on it. I think that it's more interesting to me the business side of things these days than, than it was but it's still the bottom line is is not it it always it'll forever be secondary
1: yeah and do you so do you think do you think if you could with the knowledge you have now redo the same steps is there is there certain things you would have done any differently you would have been like let's just we would be exactly the same
0: Uh, it's funny. There's so many things that you'd be like, definitely don't do that. But it's all, it's, it's all shaped us. Yeah. It would feel all the irresponsible things we did, um, like spend money on drugs and things you just really don't need. Uh, you know, so many stories came out of those times and, uh, good stories, bad stories. Um, but yeah, it's all part of this. You know, it's not, I hate this kind of rhetoric for the most part, but it is all part of this journey. Yeah, you you're know? on a journey, my I, friend. I am, yeah, you yeah, are. yeah. I know, and and we all are, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mostly I, I I try and steer from that. But it is true. It, everything, it only is the way that it is because of everything. And and I I genuinely today I really like the way things are. And that doesn't mean they're perfect. It just means that they're. I don't know. They're in a they're in a cool place, and and uh, and we're with great people. You know, a, a very small example would be like if we weren't so horrifically irresponsible, the people that left our band wouldn't have left, and we wouldn't have had these new guys. You know, and uh, and I wouldn't have maybe wouldn't have had these relationships with Dan and Shiv, our guitar our other guitar player, who are like my best friends now. Had we not you know, been so financially irresponsible that the initial guys who I still have love for, um, you know, maybe they would have stayed. It would have been a totally different thing. You know, I don't know.
1: Do Do you have any sense of why you and Carrie could survive the grind and the other guys could, did it just uh, of like those early years, you know, survive not having the money coming in and still going? Was it purely because it was like your creativity coming through or is there something else that you had? I would say it's, I know, I would say,
0: you know, Carrie and I were, were we were fortunate to where um, we we're fortunate to where we didn't own anything. We had no responsibilities. The guys in the band that, like my, my friend Derek in particular, when he joined the band, he had like a life, and and um, he's a respiratory therapist and he works at Kaiser and he works at Children's Hospital and he was doing that then, you know. And we were like, come on, man! And and he he had this dream too, um, and he lived it with us for years and he had a great time and and I don't think he regrets it at all, but. There, there was a point where he was like, man, like, you guys, I can't do this, you know, because we'd be like, you got to take eight months out of your year mm. and like, go on tour. You got to, you know, like, like we're going to Europe again. Like, oh, like, well, what's it shaking out? Like, oh, we're coming back in the red, you know, like, <laughs> OK, so how am I supposed to pay my rent? Like, well, we don't have rent because we didn't, you know, like, or we would like put everything in storage and we'd like, I slept on couches for years or, or like I said, like this living room, we'd either share the living room or like, you know, like some girlfriend or like, you know, you just, you'd like, you'd try and date someone so that you had a place to like chill. I mean, it was very, (laughs) very, uh, you know, kind of a Motley crew thing, just Anyway, so I I think that that's, that's part of it. Um, but yeah, I think that we also are very driven. Um, I think that we coming from the place that we came from seeing the lack of opportunity and just everything was like, no, like, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care what happens. Um, Uh, you know, get on board or get ran over. Like that's what we would like. That was like the motto. Like literally, we would say that we'd be like, you know, like because like this train's not stopping, and um, and it hasn't. Yeah, and we're just very. There's a lot of tenacity there.
1: So, because like you said that what you were doing like was niche. You see, like a micro genre, essentially. You Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and then what was it surreal? What happened with Sunbather? Yeah, absolutely. Like how did that feel at Ca- the time? Crazy.
0: Very crazy. The the thing that felt crazy. You know, the, the biggest part about Sunbather's thing was its critical success. It's not like we sold a ton of albums or anything like that. It was just for the like pitchfork had given it uh it's like best new music rating and it was like a eight point nine. There was something
1: like y- that year you had the highest metacritic rating of yeah, the year of the or The year, yeah.
0: Yeah, we did. And it was like us and like maybe like Yeezus or something came out that year. Or something <laughs> crazy, right? And we yeah. were like, and, and and you would see our names next to each other. And it was very surreal. Um and it came with, with a lot of like, you know, a, a little bit of backlash, but it mostly came with a lot of opportunity. And I think that our whole thing was like, okay, this has happened. Now what do we do? Like, We, we can't spoil this. Um, and so we toured. Yeah. With, and we like ran it into the ground. Uh, absolutely. By the time it was ready to write our follow-up record, we were burnt. Right. Um, but it was great. We wanted it to be. It's all, what had happened was the only thing that we had ever wanted to happen, which was live in a van that like, didn't break down. For half a year, I go, you know, and it was like, and we were like, and like 300-cap venues started to sell out, and we were like, dude, this
1: is real. So you had that thing of like, now oh, we're watching more people come to the show. Oh my god, yeah,
0: yeah, it was, it was very, and we, oh, we got festival opportunities. I mean, that, that was one of the biggest ones. I mean, we played Bonnaroo. And we played like Governor's Ball and these, and then in Europe we did like Way Out West and, um, and Oya and these, these sort of like major, uh, you know, like Nicki Minaj headlined Way Out West. Like, you know, the, these types of events and we would just walk around like scumbags, you know, like <laughs> because like <laughs> we still couldn't really do laundry a whole lot or anything like that. Well, we hadn't changed, but the situation was changing so rapidly and we were very wide eyed. And very excited, and we said yes to everything. Mm. And um, we just wanted to really soak it
1: in. And uh, I think we did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty crazy. Like, I think. It, 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 do you think you, that brought pressure and did you deal with it well? Like, that kind of. Because it's not like you, like you said, it's, it was the media. You're essentially talking about the media. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like. It's not something that makes sense or can you can control. So like no. that must fuck with your mind a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it did for sure. We had a lot of we had I mean, we had pressure
0: to write Sunbay there. I remember thinking that, like our first record roads to Judah. Uh, you know, we had toured on it and people had talked about it. People had talked about it enough in like the blogging community that we were like this follow up has to be huge, you know? Like we want to get written up about in Decibel, you know, magazine, which is like a big US metal publication. And like that was the end game. And I remember being like really stressed about it. And then after Sunbather, yeah, it, it compounded for sure. Oh, like I had I, I I this still happens. Uh I get like night like stress nightmares about like writing albums and mm. And just trying to make sure everything is like very perfect. And for New Bermuda, everyone in the band that's their least favorite record. And it's because we were just in such a crazy place, and and our our vices and such started to kind of uh, grow. And we were handling the stresses in negative ways. And uh, and it was definitely a learning experience. Um, but yeah yeah i would I would say so, super nervous mm. yeah and and we wanted we we ended up writing a record that we wanted to like kind of be like the antithesis to Sunbather, which it was a much darker record, um very reflective of the time, um I can listen to it and feel fine about it, but yeah it was it was funny, we were total messes, yeah, uh
1: you, know. but like that's almost like you said, people are either gonna. It, when something big like that happens, the reaction it, w- whether you're just like going in the flow of it or trying to fight it, you're still reacting to the, to the thing that happened. Like there is kind of no escaping when the media gets a hold of something. Yeah, and this it becomes this opinionated thing. It's, you can't just ignore no, no one ignores it. No it's, no, it's going. yeah, yeah
0: and, and, and when you don't know anything about it really, and I didn't. Even, even to the degree that I thought I did, just having read magazines my whole life and being invested in the music and stuff, you think you have an idea of how it works and all that, and and or how much attention you should pay to it, you know? Because people are like, "Don't listen to your critics." Yeah. you know, it's impossible. I mean, we would like, you know, I'd like Twitter search my name every day, like t- super weird and unhealthy shit. Mm. Uh, I, you know, very like obsessive and like to the point where like I knew like which writers. Like, liked us, and which writers didn't, and, and who to, you know, create boundaries with, and all these kind of things. And I'm not going to say that that's not all. Like, I think there's certain, there should be a certain amount of attention paid to that if you care about the world that you exist in. But to the degree that we were, it was pretty wild. Yeah.
1: We've, because we've, you and I have talked about blogs. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first things we talked about. And like, you mentioned Mediafire Oh, yeah. brought Media Fire, which gave me total flashbacks. Yeah. And I guess, like, I would kind of lump, like you know, the whole like media thing, like Pitchfork, like all these things that kind of fed into the Sunbather thing. Do you think that that could happen today? Do you think that like it seems like such a different world? Do you th- do you think that a record, like a like a, 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 an analogous record to Sunbather being made today from another kind of uh, genre, but coming in, could actually? Break in the same way or get introduced in the same way. I I I do I do I I, I
0: think that there is always someone making something in their bedroom that we're all going to be shocked by. Hmm. Um, but on that same token, I think that younger people, especially, are much more media conscious. I think they're a lot smarter about the media. I think that they and I think that with that intelligence comes a lot of. Um, Lack of trust, uh, which I don't think is unreasonable, and so I see what I see a lot of is people not catering necessarily to it. Where whereas, like my when we were starting out ten years ago, it was very important to want to be to have Pitchfork write about you, you know, or or at least seemed like an impossibility, but some but one that you strived for. Mm. Whereas now I think people are kind of like thumbing their nose about it a, a, a bit more. I think, um, as social media especially has taken the reins on popularizing music more as things like, you know, even like TikTok and shit, like you can, you can create, you can create, um, you know, we saw SoundCloud do this, you know, you can create a hype and all these things outside of, um outside of like the academic sphere of, of, of what music you know, should be or, or what should be popular and why. And, yeah. and, and, and there, there's like a, a, a punk, I guess, uh, that's not the right word, but there's a certain bit of that about that that I enjoy. Um, at the same time, uh, critically lauded records make bands huge. Um, I think you I think you see it constantly. I mean we were talking about idols, you know that's like yes, that band works hard and and yes, that band has grown organically i think I think it's nice and great to see something like that, but uh, I think you'd be missing a lot if you didn't if you didn't check out how much wild praise that they get mm. and how that has really
1: inflated their size um. You know they're written about everywhere. That's cool. Do you think maybe the gate, like back in the day, the the gatekeepers to that kind of thing were a bit more like upfront and obvious. Like it's like it's pitchfork, it's this thing, it's that thing. Whereas now it's kind of like these Spotify playlists that someone curates. Maybe it's even an algorithm, or it's like people posting on like influencers posting who may have a relationship with the thing. But it's it's more obfuscated actually that it's being pushed. I, yes. I th- I think
0: that there is a bit of that. I think that, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I guess it could be a bit more shadowy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I try not, <laughs> it's really hard not to be a cynic, but I try not to be super cynical about that kind of thing. I try and think like there is still a space where artists are putting on other artists. And it's not just because, you know, in like a week later you find out they're managed by the same person, but it's not like published anywhere or like, oh, actually this is this person's publicist or something like that. And you, you know, unfortunately you do see that, but there are spaces where you don't. And I think that, I think that in my most optimistic mind, artists who are conscious of smaller artists do their part To subvert those algorithmic uh, uh, tendencies and Mm -hmm. those thing and 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 kind of subvert um, uh, uh, paid for playlists, you know. Um, But yeah, yeah. There's always going to be. a a monitor there. I don't think that there's necessarily like free will amongst uh, how things get elevated. Um, I think that either it's yeah, either it's through um, a publication or it's through yeah, like an influencer or something like I guess someone being paid for this, you know. And and again, going back to like younger artists having a a larger consciousness of this, I think that is still true. I Mm. think that but at the same time, I think that there's kind of this malaise of like, well, what are you gonna do? Um, unfortunately, I, I mean, I don't really know how to fix the it's problem. It's like a
1: worldwide malaise. That's like a, it's like a cult a societal. Yeah. What are we gonna do? About yeah,
0: it? yeah. I, I don't know what else. Like, like whatever it takes to get me there. I get, you know, if it, if it happens for me, it happens. And and there is, there's like that, you know, I guess luck aspect to it or whatever. But. I don't know. I think I think that the more control artists have uh is usually cool. I think that um I, I think that there are lots of uh people that can that can still be influencers in a genuine way, not just in a in like a paid to do this kind of way.
1: That's definitely what I'm trying to attempt to do. Yeah, yeah. Like in yeah. the future, you know Ch- what I mean?
0: Change change the uh
1: Change the the young person's outlook? Kind of. I just think that, like, I think that there's a... Like, the general public aren't very educated in a lot of musical things, like, you know, thinking that Taylor Swift, because she sings her songs, that she's written all of them on the acoustic guitar and shit like that. Yeah, but, yeah. But I think that we underestimate how much the general public is kind of dissatisfied with um, algorithmic recommendations or, like, lack of real trusted human tastemakers yeah well we were talking about that um we
0: were talking about like the needle drop which is like which is an interesting case because because, shout out
1: anthony fantano yeah
0: yeah i mean yeah i think he's doing his thing i think that i think that it's not necessarily like he has the world's best opinions i think that he is simply filling a void that that really exists Mm. um and and that does subvert this kind of like algorithmic way of of looking at things. you know I was joking with chelsea we we were in a store, and I was like, I, you know there's always something some song pumping out that you've never heard, and I'm like, I'm living my whole fucking life in a B movie, you know like everything is like like i I, can't, I was like, I don't know what this is. it sounds like tenth generation like party next door, you know I'm like like there's like a reggaeton beat and like a delayed weird vocal happening, but like, it's not catchy. It's melodic, but like, there's no hook happening and it's droning over this loudspeaker. And I, and I'm like, God, if, if this is the, if this is the broad, uh, way that people can, that like younger people are especially are consuming music, then it's absolutely terrifying. Um, but you know, it's funny. Uh, Cause it there's always especially when you're talking about the general public's relationship to music, and you know, there's always this broad ignorance. And and like like you like bring up like the Taylor Swift thing, like everyone thinks like Taylor is sitting in her room with an acoustic guitar, writing songs, not understanding that she has a team and you know what have you. But it also goes the other way where People have this idea that artists are totally not in control, or like they are like that every artist is part of this machine, or like, um, or 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 one generation is where, where one wasn't. Like, like someone might hear Chelsea's music and be like, like Chelsea writes all of her own music, um, and she's a phenomenal hook writer, all of her own lyrics. Like, it, like everything that like gets stuck in your head, like that's Chelsea. But you'll have some guy in a fucking Aerosmith tee who doesn't understand that like Aerosmith might have their songs written for them, and largely do, mm. you know. But because it's like a guy with a guitar, like he's, you know, like like one seems more authentic than the other. So so it's like it's a it goes both ways, and and it and it and it's it goes from songwriting. It's also you know financially, uh, uh, like that's like a big mystery to people because. Because part of music is selling fantasy, you know, and so people think like, "Oh, like you must be rich," or whatever, so they don't like, they don't, they don't sympathize with you in any way. Like there's a whole, there's a real large realm of ignorance uh, when it comes to people and what they, what they know about music or what they, what they think they know. You know, like uh, I, I know I'm going off on different tangents here, but like case in point, like my father was shocked to know what I make a year, you know, because we're selling out big venues, you know? Um, uh, you know, we did like like close to 2,000 people in LA, like one of the biggest shows we've ever played off, off our last album. It was like this amazing return and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, and then we're discussing tax returns or whatever. And I'm like, well, this is my yearly income. And he's like flabbergasted by it. Um, because someone sees you on the cover of a magazine they think that you know like Mm. you're rolling in in riches or in the same way that people hear a Chelsea Jade song and think like like this person's loaded they have people writing the songs for them or they'll hear an Aerosmith song and be like god these guys are like in their room in their practice space jamming. like none of it is true you know and 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 there's, there's so much to untangle <laughs> with the greater idea of music. And I feel like it gets kind of like, maybe it gets further watered down the more, the or, or it gets, it's, it gets further obscured the, the further we go down into this, like, you know, this like, this like Muzak hole, you know, where like, everything sounds like you're living in a B movie where it like, like all those ideas are being compressed, like like now it's like, I don't know who's writing what or like what this person's about or who this person is or, or they could live in an apartment or a mansion or anything. It just seems like this big blob of nothing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's an odd world to live in. And you often, like when I look around, I think like so many people have this vastly incorrect. I don't
1: know. I've had this phrase in my head for the last week. like you're a man teetering on cynicism. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but uh, I, I like that because it's kind of like a, you, there might be a natural mode for you and then you've kind of grown not growing but like you've just opened up and learned a lot of things and you can kind of flit between them I always start from a place
0: of negativity I have to it's, you know <laughs> like I, my skepticism is high uh, and and I'm always yeah my it always starts out cynically mm-hmm. and then I have to like let my guards down and, and and accept truths and and yeah and you know, but but I'll I'll say this for as much as I still don't know and there's plenty that I still don't know um, to think about the average music consumer's idea of what music is, how it's made, who's making it, and what people are getting for making it is is more ignorant than. I'd even care to admit, you know, it's shocking.
1: Yeah, what, because essentially a lot of what that is is like authenticity and like what's what's your relationship with like authenticity and, and music?
0: Yeah, relationship to the real. It's tough um, sometimes because I'm wrong a lot. Uh, you know, it, this, this tangent I just kind of went on about the way that people view pop music, the way people view Chelsea's music. Um, you know, I too was in that camp. I don't know anything about pop. You know, I I didn't really know or understand that world until her and I got to know each other better where I was like, oh my God, these are like, these are really people. And they're really in these rooms for hours, like spending a lot of time crafting something. And when it's presented, what you want to do is like in a pop, Structure. You want to. It's all about mass appeal, right? I mean, that's the idea of pop itself. Um, so, and and it's and it's like I said earlier, it's based in fantasy. So it's so like I, I automatically read it as inauthentic because it's dressed up. Um, and now in the past couple of years, I realize that's totally wrong thinking. So, so the I, I have blind spots, um, but I I try and when it comes to real, like, I guess I just try and. Um, let down, let let go of my own expectations. When I hear a song, I try and think like. I try and think like this is, this is honest. This is deliberate, and then from there I can assess whether or not I, I enjoy it. Mm. Um, and and I think that's just a way better way to approach it. Um, is to imagine that it that it is real until you're proven wrong because otherwise you'll just walk around being like this the whole thing's bullshit uh, a lot of it tells you it's bullshit mm. frankly um, you know a, a lot of what like like materially if you look around you think like oh this is like toxic in so many ways so yeah I, I think my my approach has to be positive or else I'll throw everyone out the window <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I, I have to be that way. Um, I think it also really helps to be connected to a scene. Um, I don't think you need to thrive or always carry that with you, but I think maybe especially starting out, um, you know, kind of learning what things are about and what type of people do types of things and finding your own people within those things and, and finding your, your level of authenticity from there uh but i've I've, you know i've been on both sides of the coin where people have really questioned my legitimacy of whether or not i quote deserve to be here and me also questioning other artists which i have no right to do uh and you know not so much anymore thankfully but when i was younger you know everyone around me was fake (laughs) like you're fake like you can't do it as like like we can you know like like going back to like sleeping on the floor is like like you never slept on the floor like well that doesn't mean anything you know yeah it doesn't it doesn't make this person any less than you do um so yeah I I you know I don't know <laughs> I, I try and give things the benefit of the doubt and if I'm proven wrong I'm proven wrong but yeah you know so, so goes
1: it's funny that you bring up that sentiment because like I you know I did have like a cursory Google and. And just like really brief little like read of of things. And I feel like there was at least a period in the band where I think like, how do you feel about genre? Because I feel like genre and the whole like fetish fetishization of genre is kind of quite tied up in in death well used to be quite tied up in Deaf Heaven. Yeah. Like a lot of the comments I oh said were like just people arguing about what kind of music oh this my God, is. Yeah. And I just wanted to know like what you cause like what what you actually think <laughs> about genres. Cause it seems <laughs> for me, I look at it and be like, this is the I get I I too like having some of the fun, nerdy music conversations of things like genre or things yeah. like that. Totally get it. But there did does seem like in certain sections of the of music genres, like I'd say like metal, uh, the broad umbrella yes. of him, it seems to be very intense. Those conversations are the conversations. Yes, absolutely. And that's kind of crazy to me. And I kind of wanted to, f- it's funny that you were talking about the whole like fakeness and authenticity and shit like that, because that's kind of all part of that.
0: Absolutely, it all, a lot of it stems in that, um, and I'm the same way. where like with my friends, people who I, you know, it's it's at this point it, it's it's almost tedious to to like have a music conversation with someone just for like pleasure. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like for those friends that I still can, it's it's a blast to be like. Death metal. I'm not so sure. I mean, (laughs) the later records had a symphonic element, and that kind of like you know skews this way, this way, this kind of thing. Um, But yeah, largely it's a curse for sure. Um, I understand it because it makes things easier to explain in conversation. If if I am reading a review or something, the genre does help me determine a framework of, of how to listen to this. You know, if someone, is, if someone has, has a record, you know, and says like, uh, you know, this is a punk album and, and that's all they say, you know, I might not know, but if they say like, this is like a 77 record, like, okay, like I immediately think like Dead Boys or I think like Sex Pistols or something. I already have like a frame of reference. Now I say like, do I want to check this out? Mm. Like, well, I like Dead Boys some. So yeah, this is a new band kind of doing 77 stuff. I'll check it out xyz i and there's a there's there's a a, there's a functionality there's a function absolutely um but it's it's that when people wear these things like a personality and when they really take it on as part of their as, as an extension of themselves does it become toxic because it's not it has nothing to do with you, you know, it's, it's, and you're, and you're arguing about it or, you know, uh, it helps nobody really. Mm. Um, and for us, it was a big focus. Yeah. I think partly because we kind of throw a lot, we're sort of a mixed bag. Um, I think partly because of the way we look, um, and, and media, you know, didn't help that at all I mean there's like that, that was one of the things I think we were frustrated by was like on message boards and then like the blogosphere and stuff like that we did the same thing oh my god you know when I was 18 I mean 18 17, 18, 19 I loved being online and like arguing with people it's a blast you know you also get like album recommendations you learn a lot of stuff too but if you hang out like on message boards that's the you know there's two sides of that coin um, it was when media, large media, kind of started parroting these things or making the situation worse, uh, especially in defense of us, which was always the worst one. We'd be like, <laughs> don't talk about it. You know, be like in defense of deaf heaven. And I'd be like, stop. Uh, yes, yeah, like, you're, you're cringe. You're, you're, you're fueling this. Um, I remember Vice in particular had uh, this article that was like, like, why do you... Like why do like lame, like why these lames hate Deaf Heaven? It was something like disparaging against the metal community, which we were never that way. We were like, we always just wanted to like, honestly, just fit in. And when media started making a big deal of it, it like, it, it kind of pinned us against an audience that we grew up in. Mm. And we had a sort of weird dissonance where like, I felt like I had to in every interview really assert My metal knowledge or like I had to always, you know, like, what have you been listening to lately? You know, I'd be like, oh, you know, like what's five obscure records from the Bay Area that I can name off quickly to just just to be like, yeah, see, like I I deserve to be here, too. When like I never felt like that growing up, I always felt very a part of the community. It was only until. Like the narrative started coming. The narrative started coming out, yes, and we've I and mean, thankfully at this point we've shed a lot of that. But Sunbather in particular was very bad, and I mean there were like, God, I remember that one in particular. I think that uh, I can't, I couldn't remember the name of it, either Mexican or South American uh, black metal band that had like "Death to death Heaven" in their liner notes, you know? And like we, I mean, I'd be like, I'm gonna get like killed on stage kind of thing. We there was there was like like YouTube channels that were dedicated to like hating us, like all, you just the most, you know, just funny bullshit you could, you could imagine. Um, and, and, and it really, unfortunately, especially at the time, drove me away from, from a lot of the things that kind of fostered my musical upbringing to begin with, uh, which, which didn't feel fair. And I felt very affronted by, but then later on, you know, with enough confidence and and what have you was like uh, this? None of this matters. And I think that we have reached a point now, even like in the broader metal community, where it's a boring conversation. Especially when we're the focal point, most people um it, they just don't want to talk about it. Like we're we're known enough to where like it's if you like the band, you like it, and if you don't, you don't. It's I fine. I think
1: I think you've also if if you had put out another sunbather or even like stopped and, and all these things that conversation might have carried on but I think there's something to to be said about it might even be an authenticity thing of like well you guys have gone on and done different records and are still doing the thing yes. and so like while they're probably not so committed to being posers that they're like do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Well no it is
0: and, and Kerry talks about that he's like he's like, he says like the biggest reason that it doesn't happen is because we've proven ourselves to not be a flash in the pan like we it's just we are who we are yeah um, and and at this point uh, you know SF weekly isn't calling me like a J crew model you know because like that's yeah you know, like <laughs> well it's
1: hard you are a good looking man I appreciate George, so it's it. tough. You know,
0: but like it, it's it, it like it didn't like we would be like like you think you're helping but you're really hurting yeah. you know like please just just don't talk about it
1: um, I'm a a lot on this podcast we talk about kind of like the power of um, creative Duos, mm-hmm. Like two people coming together mm-hmm. Kind of being slightly better than almost every other configuration mm-hmm. It seems mm-hmm. um, What are the like Bands that you and Carrie Like have together That you like You both have like a shared love of Like what what Because like you said Death Heaven sounds like a lot of things And I'm sure there's a lot of different influences in there And I'm, I've, I was just When I was listening to it I was just so curious as to like What you guys have that like mutual love over of course you bring your own stuff to it but yeah you know it's funny us uh i
0: mean i guess there's there's quite a bit but when i when i first think about it i think like oh we have totally different tastes really yeah our friendship like even like when we first met carrie didn't listen to metal he listened he was like really into like misfits and and dead kennedys and uh, like bad religion and and things like that. Like I mean, we, you know, we were like thirteen. Yeah. Um, and I was really into like Slayer and Pantera and Morbid Angel and stuff like that. And I guess we just really got along because like we hated everything. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I think that's still the basis of our relationship. You know, we're like like we were joking. The other, I I did that. Uh, we we were talking about it. But I did that Twitch live stream with uh, with Thoughtseize interviews with. Uh, Cole from Dive, and uh, and he was trying to bring up like jokes that Carrie and I had, but honestly, I can't really tell him, you know, because all of our jokes are wildly negative. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're all based in like harsh, like they're all harsh, like like we're always like memes, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is great. And so, so yeah, we connect on like on just this <laughs> weird like other level. Uh, you you know, I got God, but anyway. So, so yeah, when I think about like music, I, th- I, I often, my, my first thought is like, we bring totally different things to the table, but that's not true, um, not entirely. Uh, like major bands, you know, would be like, be like the Smiths, um, like the Smiths Secure. In fact, Carrie uh, got me my first uh, Smiths uh, CD. It was a, um, a double disc best of uh, for my 16th birthday um yeah Smith's Cure uh you know Joy Division things like that uh like Interpol uh when we were like younger I mean and then like Metallica Oasis um Portishead there's there's records like like I I had to think about like what we put on in the van yeah because that's usually like like, what are the albums that, like, everyone agrees on? And it's something like that. It'll, it'll be, like, one of those. It's just kind of, like, something we've been listening to our whole lives. And then from there, well, a lot of rap, uh, which we connect on, like, hugely. Right. Uh, especially Bay Area rap. And, actually, and, like, the whole band, really, because we all grew up in that. Um, and in Modesto was extremely popular, like, the hyphy movement and everything. Uh, Mac Dre and, and everything that kind of, like, stemmed from there. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Th- there, there is a lot, but it's not the first thing I think about when I think about what connects us. Yeah, yeah, right. Which is funny.
1: That is funny. I mean, cause you're like you see the the context seems to be like you were friends before you were like band partners in a sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah We were yeah really good friends. We were just both extreme. <laughs> I remember I showed like God. I would be on like. Um, Did you have Kazaa? It was like a lime wire. I
1: think we did, yeah. Yeah,
0: it was like like one of these like like you download an album and you like fall asleep and maybe it's ready by the morning, Yeah, you know true, this yeah. kind of thing. Uh well I would find like crazy like 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 real death videos and stuff and I would like send it to him. You know like look at this guy like shooting himself. You right, know yeah, like yeah, yeah. like like you know we're like like again like 14 15 and he would just be like this is so fucked up and like we'd laugh. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, that's kind of, you know, that like. That's the vibe. That is the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like, you know, like God sucks. You know, like, it was like that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's fun. You know, also in our band, uh, Dan and Shiv, our drummer and guitar player, um, very much the same way. They met each other when they were 13, 14 Played in bands forever, got into all you know bad kid stuff forever. Um, and when we, when we were trying Dan out, uh, I remember we, like Carrie, Dan, and I were all at this practice space, and um, Dan was just like this phenom. I'd never seen anyone drum like that. He's, he's pretty crazy. He's so crazy, and and a very smart drummer as well. And a great like songwriter, like he's the most songwriting drummer I've ever known. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's very intelligent. Um, and anyway, we we it was a blast, you know. And we were like, let's get 40s and you know, like get a bag and you know go to a bar. You know, something ridiculous. And we we're like, this guy's down. And he was like, you guys need a guitar player. And we we're like, yeah. He's like my best friend, Shiv. <laughs> like like rips on guitar. And we we're like, okay. And we all became really fast friends. And they had known each other at that point for 10, 12 years. And so had Carrie and I. And it was weird the way it worked out. Um, And I feel very lucky to have that. And and we have a bass player as well, uh, Chris. But we've had like, our bass situation has kind of been a revolving door historically. And I think that's in part because... It's probably a bit intimidating to come into a situation where there's like these this foursome that's like has very unusually long bonds. It's cool.
1: Yeah. Are you guys like tough on new people? No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I, uh,
0: I mean, God, yeah. Maybe back in the day. Not like, but not, not nothing malicious. No. Yeah. Just like fun. Um yeah maybe <laughs> there's like you know it was at evans it was it was very for a long time it was it was you know we had this sort of it was there being in a band unfortunately uh when you're young and immature is very frat you know and very like boys club and we were kind of like that mm-hmm. um not in like the horrific ways but like in the general like you know you get tribal t- Kind of tribal, yeah, yeah. You get like you know jokes being played and things like that. But no, not anymore. Now we're too old. Now we just want things to be as smooth as
1: possible and everyone (laughs) to shut up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I a bit of a change, but the one thing I did want to ask you about is screaming. Yes. Um, Had the one thing I want to ask was was there ever a point? in your, at least, bunny quotes, career of mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. that you were like, oh, I might try a bit of singing. Like, was there ever singing? Was it always screaming? And two, is there like an... Do you have like... Is there an an intellectual approach to, to screaming? Or was it kind of how the uh, everything else went? It was just like, this is how it works for me right now and I really like and so I'm just going to fucking do this. Yeah, there is an intellectual
0: way to scream. There is a formal way of doing it. Um, This vocal coach in particular, Melissa Cross, is like very well known for uh, helping well-known screamers, uh, God help us, (laughs) Uh, uh, achieve that and not hurt their voice. Um, I, again, going with our motif of irresponsibility, I went the exact opposite route. Uh, I never cared about singing. I just wanted, for me, it was about just just pure energy and tiring myself out. And we never, in old bands and in Deaf heaven, like, like we would rarely have like a decent monitor set up or anything. So I, I rarely heard myself. It was always just going for it. I was always blowing my voice out. I'd have like van days where like I couldn't talk. You know, I'd be like, ah, oh, no, like no talking today, no talking till the show, right? Um, which is just ridiculous, but yeah. Um, and then eventually, just through harsh repetition, found how to do it. And there's like a sweet spot that I can I can access that voice and not have it affect my speaking voice. And I can do like long studio sessions and and be okay. And- Does that
1: sweet spot like? Dictate the sound that comes out a little bit more, like a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, right. I have so much more control. I've, even if you hear our first record to our last record, I, my my versatility is um, is much more present. Um, I I can articulate a lot better. Um, it's a my voice is a lot more aerobic. I can go from low to high much easier. Uh, yeah, and it's I guess it's it's an odd skill of that, or it's something odd that has eventually turned into a skill. And then in, in terms of singing, uh, I did a bit of it on the last record, which was very nerve wracking. But yeah, we wanted to expand a little bit. Um, frankly, I was getting tired of 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 the traditional way of doing things uh, in our camp. We've been doing it for a very long time. Uh, and we will move forward with that expansion. Um, because it's challenging and above all else, I don't want to be bored. Mm. And I think that's such a key, you know, and it's like if I keep doing the same thing every record, you're gonna hear the f- how phoned in it is. Or that's my fear anyway. And that may not be true. But you just
1: turn into ACDC. Yeah.
0: But you will, you know, it's like it's you know it's tried and true. Um, if it's not broke, you know don't fix it. Uh, and 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 uh, and I feel like at this point I've kind of done all that I can with with my traditional way of doing things. Um, you know it'll always be there, but I'm looking to do more.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny, like, because I come from a very I listen to a lot of loud music, but more like post-rocky stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like if it would be more like yelling, singing yeah. and then some yelling, mm-hmm. and and I've never had the real introduction to like screaming stuff. So it's been actually really nice, like listening to Deaf Heaven, and actually like starting to like actually hear the differences and hear the like musicality of screaming. It's such Mm -hmm. a, it's, I think it's, well, for me, just speaking for myself, it was like a really misunderstood, not misunderstood, but just something that I like a frontier of sound that I don't think I was, I guess, ready to like, Actually, listen to because it is it is quite a bold stylistic thing. Yeah, I mean, it's You harsh. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's,
0: it's 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 hard. It's it's purposefully harsh.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's not supposed to be friendly. No,
0: um, it's not supposed to be listener friendly. But, uh, yeah, and, and mostly it's not. Um, certainly, and also, unfortunately, we've had through the years like weird you know kind of like more mainstream examples of things that are like a bit like off-putting where you'll hear like screaming in a song and you'll be like why is this here mm. or like is like people do this all the time like that sounds intense um but on the other hand yeah the more you get into it i guess like anything else you can hear you start to develop more of a nuanced ear yeah and you'll be like oh this is really like like for me you know when i hear a great singer or screamer like you know I can I can still be floored um Dylan Walker from full of hell this this band uh is is the the first that comes to mind uh he is like incredible to watch he has extreme versatility uh he can he can hit his range is massive um, and and his and his delivery because a lot of it is like because you're not Singing melodically, a lot of the focus is rhythmic, and some people have the good ones have rhythm and like quick rhythm, mm. and they can make interesting cadence out of out of you know like what is essentially otherwise like a noise track you know like dragging guitars and things like that like the vocal uh allows you to pinpoint and follow the song better and he um like i said just off the top of my head when i think about like amazing people that i've seen he's he's up there where when i saw them i was like dude this guy is like i can't do that right. like he's just killing this
1: now that i'm hearing it more it makes a lot more like sense to me as that sounds more like an instrument to my sensibilities the the voice is an instrument than mm-hmm. even really singing 100%. does now you know what i mean yes 100% i would agree with that it it, it in fact historically
0: um we've treated we've viewed it as the same way and even like the way it's mixed in a lot of our records is usually mixed lower into into the guitars and stuff it is it is um it is treated more instrumentally um because yeah it's it's uh it's rhythm
1: uh, mostly yeah um George you and I could talk uh, well it's and in- so interesting to listen to you talk <laughs> do you know what I mean um uh, I, I do have uh, Miles, who owns Crumb. It's His birthday today. Oh, he's turning twenty nine. I don't uh, know if you said the guy with the tattoos, the English guy, Miles. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he, he Mister Crum uh, as we call him. Yes, yes. So he's turning twenty nine today. Oh, well, happy, birthday, some, Miles, some drinks. happy birthday, Miles! Happy birthday, Miles. I did want to kind of like, obviously, it's pandemic, and you're over here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, while Chelsea Jade is doing her tour and and hanging out, which everyone, of course, should go and see. Yes, yes, yes. Um ha and and just like general vague terms like f- for for someone at your in your place in the music industry and and where deaf heaven is like how when you look forward into the future like how do you in general feel about it like do you, uh, in this real fucked up world we have in the moment um I feel
0: like uh given. Given that people are becoming increasingly more aware of how fucked up it is or will continue to be, I think that having a focus on things that you care about is really paramount. I think um, I think I think that you have to be very discerning with what is important and what is not. and um, and for me, creating, and and being stimulated by ideas and and ways of expressing those ideas will always be the thing that kind of carries me through uh the realities that are often kind of competing against those ideas and those freedoms and those like those those interesting outside of the box ways of thinking or um or, or what have you uh, I, I think moving forward through this kind of m- the molasses of reality uh, <laughs> you can only do so with having your head slightly above it and um, and for me that's that's that that's that's not only my own creative pursuit but my involvement and interest in others and and seeing those new ideas and Seeing those come to fruition and, and just kind of enjoying on that plane. Uh, and if I didn't have that, yeah, I don't know. It would be, it'd be a darker world for sure.
1: Do you miss gigs? Oh my
0: God. Yeah. Uh, I dream about them. I was telling Carrie this the other day. Uh, we had a very long talk. Him and I are always kind of talking each other off a ledge sometimes, you know? Uh, and we're very close. So, you know, he'll just call me and I'll be like, you know, let's chat about this. And yeah, yeah, I feel a I feel a stronger depression than I ever thought that I would about not having gigs. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very odd. Um, because when you're in the thick of it, you're like, oh, man, fuck shows. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like really, yeah. like like we'll do like, you know, like 150 a year, you know, and I'll be like, I don't even want to go near a venue. And it is uh, it's definitely put things into perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I am I'm anxiously awaiting the return.
1: Very cool. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think people are going to really like hearing all that. (laughs) I appreciate this. Uh, New episodes every Sunday unless uh, the lockdown happens again and then fuck it, I'm not doing anything. (laughs) So uh, uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you, George. Thank you. (laughs) Easy.